0: Hello, and welcome back to Hope, a podcast wishing to inspire listeners everywhere with weekly stories and personal testimonies from our wide range of guests. The Webster's Dictionary defines hope as a desire accompanied by expectation of or belief in fulfillment. I'm your host, Danny Daniel, and thank you for listening. Today, we'll have the honor of hearing from Hamilton Holmes, Jr., the son of the first African-American male student at the University of Georgia. He'll tell us about how his family's legacy of leaders, paving the way for future generations, has led him to be the man he is today. Let's get right into it with Hamilton. Hamilton, Danny Daniel here. How are you doing this morning? Hey, I'm great. Danny, how are you doing? Well, I am just pleased to talk to you. It's not often I get to talk to a celebrity.
1: <laughs> well, I, I'm not sure if you're talking to one now either. So, <laughs>
0: no. well, You're definitely a celebrity's son, that's for sure.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, certainly. Um,
0: I haven't talked to my producer. Where are you living now?
1: I live in southwest Atlanta. Okay. Um, I live um, not far from downtown. I'm, you know, 10 minutes from downtown, 15 minutes or so from the airport. So uh, I, I do live in the city limits of Atlanta,
0: though. Oh, well, that's good. That's good. Everybody loves Atlanta. Um, <laughs> we've got a lot to talk about today because uh, of your what your dad did in such a positive way. For the University of Georgia and for the whole country, really. Yes. But uh, before we get into that, I want to know a little bit more about you. Uh, what, are, what do you do now for a living?
1: I work for an architectural design firm. Um, now, I'm not an architect myself, but I, I work in business development for a firm that's uh, based in Alpharetta. And it's, it's my role to go out and find opportunities um, for us to do business um, here in the community. Um, so n- not not just Atlanta, but across Georgia, and, and if we have opportunities across the Southeast or around the country, then we'll pursue those as well. My degree is in business. Um, from Georgia, I had, have a degree in business with a concentration in marketing. Um, so most of my career, I've had opportunities where I've either been in, in some sort of sales type role or business development or community relations type
0: opportunities. Well, it sounds like you're keeping yourself busy, that's for sure, and My favorite word in the English language is marketing. You know, if you can't market yourself, you can't do anything. That's
1: true. You're exactly right about that. Uh,
0: So you're, uh, you're in the right, the right field. I guess the landscape of Atlanta has uh, uh, changed over the years. That's for sure. But they're still building.
1: Yeah, they are. They're building and they're, they're tearing down old buildings and building new ones. So, you know, the, the, the cycle continues as we say, so.
0: Well, there's nothing. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that at all. Do you have a, a family, uh, a wife, and a couple of kids? Or
1: uh... I, I do. I've been married for 27 years to uh, another Georgia Bulldog.
0: There you and, go. Uh,
1: yeah, we have two kids. Uh, one that graduated from Auburn, and one that's at Mississippi State now. So they're two different schools. So,
0: well, what what happened to them?
1: <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> no, my, my 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 son actually was pursuing an opportunity to try to play baseball uh, professionally. So he went to a junior college in Alabama for a couple of years and then transferred to Auburn after he decided to stop playing. And um, our daughter got accepted to Georgia actually, but um, Mississippi state was just a, a better fit for her for what she was looking for. Um, you know, Georgia's twice the size of Mississippi state uh, in terms of number of students and and land um you know just the size of the campus and uh, she wanted something a little smaller
0: so well georgia certainly can be intimidating now for a, a little senior coming out of a high school from south georgia or something like that uh it's uh it, that's true and you got to have a fit if you don't have a that's fit true. it's going to make it uh, difficult um, that's true yeah exactly well, let's get into your to your dad hamilton holmes we'll call him senior uh he didn't ever put the senior on it i guess uh but uh, Hamilton Holmes and uh, his background when he was a, a kid and how he grew up and uh, what uh, pushed him towards the University of Georgia.
1: Okay. Well, my father grew up in um, a household with a mother and father, and he had four siblings. Uh, my father was the oldest of the five children, and uh, it was just you know, part of them growing up that you know there's no choice of you not going to school. Um, you know, not, not, not just K through 12, but uh, to go to college as well. So um, my, my, my grandmother, my, my father's mother uh, was a, a school teacher herself, and their, and his father was a businessman um, in the Atlanta area. Um, so they had, you know, good, strong people to, um, you know, help guide the way for them. And um, as my father um, grew in, into high school, he um, was a very good student, uh, very strong Uh, ended up being the valedictorian of his high school class in 1959 and um, he wanted to become a doctor Um, his grandfather uh, was a doctor back at that time in the atlanta area Um, so he he always had dreams of becoming a doctor himself and uh, as he was uh, about to finish up high school uh, and looking at different colleges uh, to attend um, he was very interested in going to the university of georgia um, I mean, obviously, at that time Georgia was not integrated, but his thoughts were that uh, being a state school, especially that it had uh, the best training opportunity for a college student uh, to prepare themselves to become a doctor. Um, now, certainly, there are a lot of other great schools around, but just again in terms of state schools here in Georgia, um, he felt that uh, from what he knew, the you know the lab um, opportunities were were strong. Um, and just other opportunities to um, you know have training as a college student would help him to be successful as a doctor. Um,
0: well, evidently he was right <laughs>
1: well well, that's true, that's true. you know he certainly was so and, and um, so in, in terms of how he ended up in Georgia, let, let me just just tell you so there's a little you know backstory that some people may not even know about, but um, there was a man named Jesse Hill that lived in Atlanta that you may have heard his name before. Um, He's a businessman. He was the president of Atlanta Life Insurance Company for a while and and was involved in some other businesses as well. But so he was leading a group of uh, black businessmen that wanted to uh, integrate state schools at that point. And um, so he and and a few other people that he was working closely with wanted to find some students that were strong uh, academically that also uh, had, you know, clean backgrounds as well. And uh, could um, you know? Could uh, withstand going to um, that kind of a, an environment, you know, where they may not be welcome. Um, so they, they finally identified my father and Charlene Hunter, who was one of his classmates from Turner High School in Atlanta. Uh, they looked at Georgia State um, initially, um, but Georgia State didn't have the right curriculum that the two of them were looking for in terms of becoming a doctor and and uh, in, in pursuing communications for Charlene Hunter. Um, Georgia Tech was more of a technical school, obviously at that point. And um, the next uh, uh, next school that, that they considered was Georgia, um, and going to Athens. Um, so um, they applied for admission at that point, and um, you know were initially denied, uh, but things finally worked out certainly in their favor um, to become a student at the school.
0: What broke the ice with the uh, admission?
1: Well, you know, there's an interesting, I guess, how that sort of played out. So, you know, again, um, they graduated from high school in 1959. Um, So they applied to the University of Georgia um, during their senior year. Um, They were denied admission uh, for lots of different reasons, um, from being uh, unprepared academically, um, is is what they were told anyway. Uh, You mean that the valedictorian
0: was unprepared academically? (laughs)
1: Well, the, the valedictorian in Charlene was a, a great student also. She was third in the class. So, you know, two of the brightest students at, 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 at that time. Turner High School was probably uh, the main high school um, for students in the Atlanta area. Um, so great students. Um, you know, lots of, of great people came out of the school. Um, so, yes, to tell them they both were unprepared academically was kind of a slap in the face at that point. Um, they were told that, um, you know, some of their family members may have lacked char- character. Um, so there was a lot of, obviously, digging that was done, you know, in their backgrounds. Um, so uh, they were denied admission initially. And um, my father went to Morehouse College um, because, obviously, he didn't want to delay continuing his school uh, opportunities. And so my father went to Morehouse and Charlene went to Wayne State University, which is in Detroit, Michigan, um, so a, a court case was filed on their behalf in in 1959, and then finally after a year and a half, um, they were admitted to the university of Georgia in January of 1961, which was the, uh, second semester of their sophomore year at that point.
0: Okay. I, I went to the university of Georgia, of course, and, uh, I actually, uh, started in 1970. So I was a little bit after that, uh, uh, event, but, uh, there wasn't anybody that I know of anywhere that didn't know about that event. And, um, uh, that, and that's it, true. It was interpreted uh, a number of different ways, but it was probably one of the best things that ever happened to the University of Georgia.
1: Well, it certainly was. And, and th- their timing was good. Um, you know, I think that they were the right students at the right time. Um, you know, a couple of other schools in the South tried to integrate before that. Um, but, you know, I, I don't think the students were successful in a couple of the cases anyway, in, in terms of finishing and graduating. You know, they they yeah. uh, enrolled and integrated, but may not have finished uh, for, you know, for different reasons. And not, not that they weren't good students or anything, but you know, I think the timing was great. You know, my father and Charlene were the, the right people at the right time for that opportunity.
0: Well, did they remain friends uh, through the four years of college or three years of college and, and even a- thereafter.
1: They certainly did so that they were friends while they were in high school and then they remained friends uh, while they were in college and then after college as well. Um, they didn't have opportunities to see each other as much in college. Um, Charlene, uh, she lived on campus in, in Myers Hall and my father actually lived off campus with a family. Um, they just felt that with my father being a male, that at that time, it was better for him to live off campus with a family that could sort of help to shelter and protect him at that point. Um, You know, just with, you know, boys being boys, I guess, as you would say that, you know, they, you know, he may encounter some other challenges on campus that Charlene may not. Um, So they certainly remained friends for a long time until my father's passing in in 1995.
0: Good night. How old was he when he passed?
1: 54 years old. So he, he was way too young, as we would say.
0: Boy, there's no question about that. Uh, My dad uh, was hit by a train when he was 58 years old, so that was kind of young, but uh, yours is is even younger than that. Uh, That's true. uh, It's it's amazing how we get called at different times to go to those pearly gates.
1: (laughs) Yep, you're you're exactly right about that.
0: Uh, Well, tell me, while your dad was on campus with Charlene, um, what was that like? I mean, obviously— he was shunned by a lot of people. Uh, uh, and he all, did he have to have any kind of a, a, a guard or something like that taking him to class so he wasn't harmed? Or?
1: Yes, um, he did have um, uh, state patrol escorts um, the first few weeks while he was on campus. Um, so they would take him from class to class or, or building to building as he needed to move around campus. Um, and that was, you know, obviously for his protection at that point, while things were still kind of rowdy in the beginning. Um, but, you know, my understanding is, you know, after that, you know, things kind of calmed down a bit. I guess, um, you know, students realized that it, it had already, the integration had already happened at that point. It wasn't going to change, um, you know, and and uh, they just had to sort of accept, you know, the, the process at that point. So um, a few different things I can tell you about that. Um, you know, my father mentioned, you know, as he would walk to class, um you know some people would you know like either uh, throw insults in his direction or you know throw rocks in their way um or even you know spit in his direction um so he had a few of those kind of situations but um, my, my father you know really just kind of operated with blinders on you know he didn't um let let it get to him i mean i'm sure it had to it, you know, and because, you know, anyone that's dealing with that kind of situation is going to internalize that, you know, in different ways, but, um, you know, he was very focused on school and was not going to let anything deter him from, um, you know, achieving his goal at that point. Um, now, I, I'll also say here, too, that, um, you know, Dean Tate was the, the dean of students, I believe, is, is what his title was at that time. You know, the, the Tate Student Center is named after him now, but, um, so he was the, the either the Dean of Students or the Dean of Men at that time, and uh, he helped to protect my father and Charlene Hunter as well. So, um, there were a couple of situations where, you know things got a little rowdy, and Dean Tate would show up and you know he'd take people's student IDs and and back at that time, your student ID helped you do everything on campus from eating to getting the class or whatever else you had to do. Um, now, my father told me that, you know, he and Dean Tate w- weren't necessarily friends i wouldn't wouldn't say that, but that they uh, had a level of respect for each other, um, because my father knew that Dean Tate was, was doing what he needed to do to help protect my father at that time and um, but you know, Dean Tate did tell him at one point that you know, he didn't necessarily agree with integration, but that he was going to follow the law and do what he was supposed to do. And, um, you know, I, I can respect somebody that, that says that. So, uh, I mean, everybody has their, their feelings about certain things, and back then the times were different, but, you know, he at least, you know, did the right thing to help make sure that um, my father and Charlene stayed protected.
0: I guess that's the motto of all of us, do the right thing, uh, whatever it might be. But uh, Dean Tate was such a stalwart uh, as far as uh, people on the campus there, and uh, we hope to do a – show on him do a podcast on him one day and talk about uh, what he did yeah Uh, well it it, it sounds like that he was so determined um, to accomplish his mission and that was to get uh, a degree from the University of Georgia so that he could carry on after that and he wouldn't let anything get in the way of it and uh, I think that's hopefully paved the way for you to a certain degree to give you that determination to do what you're doing
1: well, it it certainly has, um, you know, and and again with him having to deal with everything that he had to deal with there on campus um, to stay focused, and um, you know, even with all of the things going on around him, you know, he graduated with honors. Uh, he graduated cum laude. Um, he he was elected to Phi Beta Kappa and the Phi Kappa Phi honor societies while he was there on campus. Um, he graduated on time in 1963. Uh, with his degree, and uh, then went from there to become the first black medical student at Emory University. Um, he enrolled there in 1963 and, and graduated in 1967.
0: So, so did he become a medical doctor?
1: He sure did, yes. He became an orthopedic surgeon, um, and he worked here in the Atlanta area for a long time, um, worked at Emory University and, and at uh, Grady Hospital, and also in private practice, too.
0: Did he have an opportunity to reconnect with University of Georgia? By that, I mean, you know, go do some seminars and that sort of thing. I noticed that there's a building named after him. Yes. On yes, the-
1: that's correct. Um, so, yes, he, he did have an opportunity to reconnect. So, as I mentioned, he graduated in 1963. And basically for the next 20 years, he had no connection with the university. Um, I mean, obviously, just, you know, having certain feelings probably about the school and, and how you may have been treated. Um, now, I will say this, too, just to add in but before I forget, is that um, he mentioned that while he was on campus, there were some students that that wanted to reach out to him and, and offer support. Um, but, you know, they were a little intimidated by some other people that didn't want to. Um, but, you know, he did feel like there were some people that certainly were open to integration. Um, he, he always felt that the teachers were very fair with him. Or I shouldn't say teachers, but the professors. Were, we're very fair with him that they didn't treat him in, in uh, any sort of negative way or give him an extra hard time or anything like that. And, you know, there's some funny stories sometimes my father would tell me, but, you know, he often would be the, the curve busters, we would say, you know, a long time ago. Um, so he, you know, he, he was the one setting the pace with the high grades in the class, and, and other students got a little frustrated about that. Um, But in around 1983 or so, the the president of the university at that time, Fred Davidson, uh, reached out to my father and asked him to be a part of the Bicentennial Celebration Committee. Um, You know, as you know, the the Bicentennial for UGA was in 1985. Um, So he asked my father to be a part of that committee and and be a, um, a, a member of the Board of Trustees around that time also. Which he decided to do. Um, so he was honored by the opportunity, and and uh, you know was glad to have a chance to reconnect with the university after all those years. Um, in 1985, the Holmes Hunter Lecture uh, was established, and it's actually still ongoing now. Uh, they bring back a speaker every year, um, usually around the February timeframe, to just come in and discuss um, you know things that are happening around the country. Um, And then after that, um, the the subsequent um, presidents of the university um, continued to support um, just diversity on campus and and the lecture and some other things. And and as you mentioned, um, there's the academic building now where my father and Charlene had to enter back in the early 1960s or or 1959 when they first started is now called the Holmes Hunter Academic Building. So that's the building that's right there by the the arches right when you come from downtown and walk through the arches is the first building on the right.
0: Okay. And one that, I think that was the admission building at one time.
1: Yes, it was the admission bill, admissions building. excuse me. And, and it still is, I believe as well now too.
0: Okay. Yeah. I, I, you hear the Holmes Hunter lectures uh, each year and I'm sure an awful lot of people benefit from that. Uh, I, uh, you know, it's just, I don't care who you are. If you can have a, a situation where you become a legacy, you know, in your lifetime and don't have to die to become the legacy. You you actually attain that in your lifetime. He was able to do that. If uh, Fred Davidson asked him, you say, to be on the board of trustees. Uh, yes, that's correct. That's that's a big deal. That's
1: yeah, a, it certainly is.
0: A re- real big deal and a big honor, no no question about it. Well, he Absolutely. made some, some contributions that uh, that we'll never forget. What about uh, after graduating? You said he was uh, an orthopedic surgeon for 20 years or something like that.
1: Well, yeah, what what I was saying is that he became an orthopedic surgeon after he finished uh, medical school at Emory in 1967. And uh, from there, um, went to work for Emory University, for Grady Hospital. Um, He was in private practice also for a while. So he's had an opportunity to do quite a bit over the years until his passing in 1995.
0: Uh, well, that's, again, just another feather in his in his cap. Uh, d- 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 determination, in my opinion, is just about everything. Uh, they, they say focus and determination mean a great deal. But if you don't follow through, and he had a very difficult time following through at the University of Georgia with all the harassment, and you had to say he had harassment uh, with all the difficulties, and what it took to push that opportunity to fruition uh, means a, a great deal, I think. Uh, do, do you think that uh, there's some way through the Holmes uh, Hunter lectures that we can carry on his legacy?
1: Yeah, we certainly can, um, you know, through through the lectures. And uh, there are also some other things, too, that I'm not sure if you're aware of or not, but um, there are several things that have been named uh, in his honor uh, over the years. Um, so there's, a, you know, the Martyr Station in Atlanta, It's called the the Hamilton Homes Martyr Station. Um, There's an elementary school in East Point, Georgia, that's named after him. Um, I mentioned the building on campus already. Um, And there are a couple of scholarships, um, uh, academic scholarships, that are are named after either my father or he and Charlene Hunter uh, directly. So um, I think through all of that, um, you know, his legacy will live on. Um, I don't know if it's still happening right now, but I know a few years ago, um, they actually taught. The, about the integration of the university of georgia uh in the the state schools, it was part of the middle school curriculum um so he actually uh, was mentioned as a part of um uh, you know some of the things the students were learning there in, in the classroom
0: well we are more than honored to have you tell us about your dad and his legacy and i think that you're carrying on that legacy which we're proud of is is persistence and i love that word and his perseverance uh has paid off and he's paid off and in, in making you the kind of great guy that you are. And we appreciate very much you talking with us this morning.
1: Well, thank you very much for inviting me to be a part of your uh, podcast series. I was really honored to be asked and, you know, certainly uh, don't mind sharing the story about my father and, and our family. And, and again, appreciate you giving us the opportunity.
0: Well, your father has a story and you have a story and we'll just wish you the very best uh, in your endeavors. What a powerful story from Hamilton Holmes, Jr., about his family's legacy of integrating the University of Georgia. He comes from a family of brave people wanting to question the system, and we can learn a lot from his story. This episode recorded at Vega Studios, produced by Danielle DeHall. Also remember to follow us on social media. We will be posting our episodes on our Facebook page along with the website. Stay in touch with us and spread the word. It's all about hope. But before we go, I wanted to remind the listeners that I'm a huge supporter of the UGA Miracle, which is the largest student-run organization at the University of Georgia that raises money for children's health care of Atlanta. They raise over a million dollars a year, and you can be a part of that. Just go to ugamiracle.org, and you can donate. Remember, any amount given is a step closer to saving a child's life.